Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 164. Our Sunday worship service for May 10th, 2020 is Acknowledge Source. It's the fourth in the series, Pray Like This. When we pray, where do the answers come from? So the scripture this week is continuing our look at the Lord's Prayer with Matthew 6, 11 through 12. You know this one. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I think that a lot of people, when they get to this part of the Lord's Prayer, there's a feeling of, okay, finally, I get to talk about the stuff that I want because I'm hungry, so to speak. There's things that I want, and now I finally get to ask. All of this other stuff was like the prelude, right? The intro to the, the good stuff. And obviously, as we've been working on this stuff, you know that there's more to it. It is interesting, isn't it, that a lot of people think the whole point of prayer is just asking for stuff you want, of submitting this big shopping list. And we've talked a little bit about that, but it's interesting because here and now, we're at a point in the prayer process where it is appropriate to think about what's going on in your life. Here and now, finally, at this part of the prayer process, it's okay to go, you know what? I live in the real world, God, and I need things. I'm hungry. I have to have a roof over my head. I've got a car payment, these sorts of things. It's interesting that there is these amazing extremes where there are some people that think the whole point of prayer is, I want to ask God for stuff, and God's going to do a Santa Claus impression and give me what I want if I've been a good boy all year. And then there's this other end of it where people go, you shouldn't ask God for anything because, you know, God's very busy and, and somehow that's sinful to want things. And somewhere in the middle, there's this idea that, wait a minute, I, I am a spiritual being, but I have an experience where I would like there to be a, a literal loaf of Wonder Bread in the kitchen at some point. And so as we get going on this this week, I want you to know that you are a physical being as well as a spiritual being. It's okay to have wants and needs and all of that. Just don't let them define you. That's why the wants and needs isn't the beginning of the prayer, and it's certainly not the most important part, but it is real. There's a deep theology present in the Lord's Prayer. I think it's amazing. We've talked about the ways that these statements all fit in together, and we've talked about the amazing order that that this, this is so smart, the way that the Lord's Prayer goes. And here we are again at this part. There's an incredible theological statement being made here. You know, previously we talked about the idea that you can tell a lot about a, a religious system by asking the question, when you pray, who are you talking to? Remember we talked about that? Well, this is another deep theology moment. If you ask of your belief system, what is my relationship of spiritual stuff to physical stuff? In other words, how do I deal with the real world, the material world? You can tell a lot about a religious system or a healing modality or whatever it is you want to call it by answering that question. Do you live in the world or not? Because think about it with me. There are those spiritual paths that spend all their time just trying to get away from it or acting like it's not real. Right, And I got to say, if your answer to the question of how do I deal with material needs and physical hurt and those kinds of things, if your answer is, well, the physical world isn't real and we're supposed to escape it and get away from it, it's a great answer because you don't have to actually answer. Don't worry about it. We'll ignore that part and try to just get away, right? But doesn't that feel like kind of a dodge? It's answering the question by not answering the question. When I was a kid... I had to get braces. 
And if you've ever had braces, you know the deal. It's terrible right at a time when you're already feeling awkward and embarrassed about every single part of life. The grown-ups in your world go, you know what? What if we also put a whole bunch of metal in your mouth? That's going to make it easier to, to pick up girls, right? There's that thing that happens. And we went to the uh, orthodontist, and they looked at my mouth and all of that kind of stuff. And, of course, they said, your son needs braces. And I was horrified. I didn't want it to happen. I didn't want to go through the pain, the awkwardness, the whole thing. And so here's what I did. I made a convincing argument, or at least I thought it was a convincing argument to my parents. I said, what if, stick with me here, what if we get all my teeth pulled out and I just get dentures? This really happened. I, I worked hard at it. You should have seen me up at night planning what I would say. And to me, it made perfect sense because, yeah, it'd be painful and all that, but you get it over in one moment and then you get fake, perfect, uh, beautiful pearly whites for the rest of your life, right? Well, not right. Obviously, that would have been a bad idea, you know? But there's something wonderful about understanding that you can't solve the problem by just getting rid of it. In the same way, if you are hungry, if you need healing, if there are physical concerns in your life, the answer is not just, well, let's just not look over there. Let's not yank that out and try to imagine that somehow that fixes it. It doesn't work that way. And it's an amazing thing to remember three words, right? Jesus showed up. Think about that. So many people spend so much time trying to run away from their problems, whether they're literal or metaphysical problems. And the example that we get in the teachings of Jesus Christ and the teaching that we get here in the Lord's Prayer is we're here to show up for our lives. And that's the trick. Previously, we talked about the idea of seeing God in these big, beautiful terms, and that's wonderful, and that's part of it, and that has to happen first. That's why it happens earlier in the prayer. Previously, we talked about the idea of seeing God at work in your heart, in your body, in your situation, and that's important too. Now, in this part of the prayer process, what's at stake is seeing God in the world, seeing the spiritual manifest through the material. And that's where the rubber meets the road. Can you see God happening in your life? Whatever it is in your life, can you imagine that it came from God, because I got to tell you, it's the only way it's going to get better. You want your body to be healed, you got to see that body as a gift from God and treat it appropriately. You want your finances to be healed, you got to remember that God gives us our daily bread and treat it appropriately. If you can see God happening in the real world, and if that's part of your prayer process, things will get better because you are open to miracles. That's what we're talking about today. And it's the key to so much. And so, like I said, the next line of the prayer is, give us this day our daily bread. Anybody that thinks you're supposed to take the Bible literally needs to take a moment because we don't think that Jesus was just talking about bread, right? You get it, that it's not just about a loaf of something. You get that, right? There's a lesson in there. There's a very simple theology there that says, we've got to read this in. There's a symbol here. But even if all you get out of this whole message is, okay, I get it, that God gives me the things I need in order to survive. Even if that's the whole message from the give us this day our daily bread, that's still pretty good, right? Because it's going to keep you from looking to all kinds of intermediaries to get your spirituality, to get your message, to get God. If you just go, wait a minute, God is my source. That's huge, right? 
Bread is a great symbol for that universal staff of life. Whatever I need, it comes from God. That's great. That's beautiful. But man does not live by bread alone, right? Let's look past just the the, the material idea here and remember that there's also something amazing going on there. In general, remember with me that when you eat something, it becomes part of you. It's a beautiful symbol, right? When I eat something, the process is something external to me. I take in, I allow in, and I allow it to grow me. I allow it to become a part of who I am. And that action is a physical version of the spiritual thing that's going on. In other words, give us this day our daily bread. Part of what's being talked about by the bread is, God, let me be the kind of person who sees you at work in the world outside and who lets it become a part of me. So many people spend so much time trying to not be affected, trying to not jump into their lives. You know, they think they're keeping themselves safe, but they're really just keeping themselves stagnant, and that's a different thing. Can you let your life be a part of you? That's part of what's being said there. And as you know, bread is also a symbol for faith. Jesus talks about how the kingdom of heaven is like the leavening agent, the yeast in bread, that that you can't see that action, but it grows and grows and grows. And if you left yeast alone, it would become big enough to consume the planet, right? That's how faith works. If you just let it do what it wants to do. And so the lesson here in the daily bread part is, once again, can you see God at work in the manifest parts of your life? Can you trust the process? It's mystical and wonderful when you look around and realize that every single thing that's going on in your life, every every atom and molecule of your world, every bit of wood and every two-by-four of your house, every, every ounce of gasoline in your car, everything comes through a divine process. Everything that's going on comes from God. Learn to see with those eyes. Instead of cursing some things, instead of trying to reject the material world, see it as something that God gave you to make better. And things... We'll start to get better when you can see past appearances. And that's the thing over and over again. Jesus has got this move he does. If you give Jesus bread, <laughs> he will bless it and break it. Right? You've seen that over and over again in Scripture. And he blessed it and broke it. We've talked about it before. And symbolically, because it is symbolic, it's not just because Jesus didn't own a bread knife. It's symbolic of something. When I break the bread, it's a symbol that I'm moving past the outer appearances, the outer crust, and into the inside, the thing that matters. And in the same way, think about the fact, in your prayer process and in your life process, think about the fact that whatever it is you got going on in front of you, take it for what it is, give thanks for it for what it is, but break past the appearances. Get deeper than the surface and go, wait a minute, there's something powerful going on here. Just past the cover of that metaphorical book, you know? Can you look past appearances and see God at work? Can you trust that leavening agent? Here's the question. Can you trust infinity? Because what's the alternative? You know, fear. The alternative is, I never know where this is going to come from. The alternative is storing up treasures, and you know you're not supposed to do that. The alternative is fear. I know that that sometimes people say, you know, it's sensible to save up for a rainy day. It's sensible to preserve and keep away. I'm going to be a prepper. But in order to do that, you need doomsday to be coming, right? And I'm not interested in that, are you? We now see how crazy it is to look for toilet paper. Do you really want to live in a Mad Max world? People say that, that it's sensible somehow to store things up. But you know what? I want to ask this question. 
is it the case that you're getting ready for a day when God's not going to be there to take care of you? Is that really what's going on in your mind and your heart? Because that doesn't seem sensible at all. That seems like the most foolish thing ever. Remember with me, let's review. We've talked about this over and over again, and we're going to keep talking about it. The basic idea, our relationship with God is such that God will happen for you to the degree that you make room for God, right? We've talked about this a hundred times. But it is the problem. If you don't have big miracles, it's probably the case that you haven't made big room for God. How can you expand that? That's the, that's the question. That's the issue. We talked about that over and over and over again. But I want to double down on it as it applies to give us this day our daily bread because I think that somewhere along the line, somebody said, you are born broken. You are born flawed. You are born with some kind of a hole in your heart, some kind of a deep problem, even though you didn't even do anything yet. You are born broken, and you must spend the rest of your life apologizing for, making up for that brokenness, filling that hole, and that feels like a theological thing, but think about it. There's a lot of people that do that in their material lives, too. I think that the basic paradigm for a lot of people is I've got this empty place in my heart, in my life, in my home, in my whatever it is that I'm looking at. I've got this empty place and I've got to spend my life filling that place with accomplishments, filling that place with possessions, filling that place with the approval of others, filling that hole. But if God is infinite, and if you're a child of God, then where's the hole? It's not true about you. If there is an absence in my life, if there is a rough place, if there is a hole, it's only in my judgment, in my thinking, in my perception, in my paradigm. And so if that hole is in my expectations, I sure as heck can't fix it by buying something or even by doing something. It can't work that way, right? In our culture, in 21st century Western culture, we have more and more and fancier ways of filling that hole. We can fill every atom of our house, every space on the shelf with things and end up on a hoarding show. We can fill every, every place in the fridge. We can fill every moment, every, every instance of every day with, with things that we're supposed to do and video games on our phone and drama and all kinds of stuff. We have the power to fill every single moment, every single space in a way that, that humanity has never seen before. But are we happier than Bronze Age people, really? Seems to me we're solving the wrong problem. Seems to me we're digging in the wrong place. You can't fill that hole by looking outside of yourself. Okay, so how do I do that? How do I get past this idea? If I've got an empty place in my expectations, how do I fix it? Well, you know the answer. Fix your expectations. In other words, let us be the kind of people, and this is the theology moment, let us be the kind of people who do not think in terms of absence. Let us be the kind of people who think in terms of presence. In other words, you want to fix that hole you feel in your life? Stop thinking in terms of absence. Stop thinking in terms of debt. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. That's the next line. You know that, right? So what does that mean? 
Well, it means forgiveness. It means letting go of some things. Yes, it is absolutely the case that there are people in your lives who must fix something, who've done something in a goofy way. Maybe they didn't know any better. And I'm not saying that you're going to let them continue to be dysfunctional. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is, I love you so much that I see better about you. Forgiveness is not letting people run all over you. But forgiveness is about saying, I see you as fundamentally capable, not as fundamentally broken. Your defining characteristic is not that you owe me. Your defining characteristic is that you are powerful. Can you see the people in your life as though they were made out of the same stuff that you are? Because that's the truth. So we're going to let go of some stuff, and we're going to forgive. And I know it's easy to look around at your life and go, yeah, well, I'll do that. I'll be nicer to people when they're nicer to me. I will forgive other people when I get some kind of indication that they're on the right track. And until then, I'm going to keep my guard up. Well, you know, good luck with that. Remember, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, the, uh, my forgiveness is past tense. It's kind of a Jesus thing when you think about it. The golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's proactive mercy, proactive forgiveness, proactive living in general, right? That's the Jesus thing. That's what we are called upon to do. You're not going to see proof, in other words, of other people's worth until you act as though they're worthy. It's the only way this ever works. And so let somebody off the hook today. In your prayer time, Find ways to make peace. Find ways to forgive. And you will find by and by that in your outside prayer time, in your lifetime, that kind of stuff will get easier. Stop thinking in terms of debt. A long time ago, we we first were starting this church and and, uh, a couple came up to me. They had been going to the church from the beginning. And uh, they said, you know, you say the Lord's Prayer at the beginning of every service, and we love that, and that's great. But you guys say debts and debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors. And we like to say trespassers. You know, and I don't know where you went to Sunday school or whatever, but maybe you're familiar with the trespassers idea that's more comfortable for some people. And so anyway, this couple went up to me and after the service, and they said, we say trespassers. Is that okay? Is that all right? Is that theologically cool, as the scholars say? And... uh you know what I said. I said, of course, you know, because remember that trespassers are debtors. It all means the same thing. And remember that the Lord's Prayer wasn't written in English. And so translators have used different words to express the thing. And so, no, say trespassers, say debtors. As long as you have the idea in mind, that's what's important. So your job is to not feel funny about saying a word that's closer to your heart. We're good. And I started to step back because what I was thinking about at that point is after the church service, uh, we usually have donuts and that's what I wanted. But anyway, um, look, don't judge. But anyway, um, we were good. And then they said, because, and I thought, uh-oh, there's another level here. Because when you say debt, we think about money. And I just don't think that God has any place in the money equation. And so I don't want to do that. And it's all of a sudden I had to stop. I missed my donut because there was an opportunity to teach here, priorities being what they are. And I realized that, wait a minute, are you talking about the idea that there are places in your life where God isn't allowed in? Because we're going to Flip that and reverse it, Missy Elliott. That's not okay. It's not okay for there to be a place where you can't talk about God. If you want big miracles, have places where God's allowed in. That's just the deal. 
No, I don't think that money is the most important thing. It clearly wasn't the most important thing for Jesus. But remember that when it was time to pay the bills, they just got paid and we move on. Jesus didn't go, oh, well, that's not spiritual. And I got to tell you, man, for a lot of people, money is kind of the table stakes. Money is kind of where the rubber meets the road, as they say. Money is kind of the thing. How do you measure your ability to deal with other people? Sometimes money is the, the symbol, the ritual that we carry out. And so if the number one thing that you do to interact with your world is a place where God isn't allowed in, that's kind of a problem. Remember, it says on those little green pieces of paper, in God we trust. Maybe it's time to trust a little more. Maybe it's time to tear down a wall. Isn't that what Jesus was about over and over again? So first of all, if saying debts and debtors makes you think about money, let's reform our debt idea because it doesn't just have to do with cash and dollars and cents. It has to do with the idea that I refuse to think in terms of absence. But more than that, let us be the kind of people, are you ready for this? Let us be the kind of people who don't micromanage God. You know what I mean? I think that there are some people that think that they're supposed to tell God every little thing, and there are trust issues involved with letting God just be God. I want you to imagine with me going on a first date with somebody, and they're trying to be a big shot, and so when it's time to order, they show their command of the room by saying, okay, well, I want to order this here, garçon, but I want you to make sure and tell the chef that, that use this bread and make sure the oven is set at this temperature. And instead of that dressing, I want to use this dressing over here because that one's from France. And I want to order this wine with it. I know it's not on the menu, but I happen to know a guy. And I want you to do, and they're trying to be a big shot, trying to be, you know, James Bond or something, but they end up just looking like a jerk because it's control and control is nothing but fear. And the more that they micromanage that order, the more you realize as their date that they're not the right one for you. And also, they've got some issues. And the date becomes less interesting. I know that, that sometimes we're taught that to be in control of everything is somehow a virtue, but it sounds a lot more like a vice to me. Because to a person like that, wouldn't you want to say, hey, you know what, here's a good idea. That's not cool. That's not James Bond stuff. In fact, you know the brave thing? is to trust the chef. <laughs> the brave thing is to just be cool with how this comes out. The person who went to school for this and who does it every day and who planned the menu might have some ideas that are surprising and good. Can you be open to surprising and good? What if you trusted instead of micromanaging every moment? That's part of the deep theology in this prayer is I trust God to take care of me. Can you do that? Can you get out of the way? Now, we talk a lot about hopes and dreams, and it's good to have hopes and dreams and visions and aspirations for who and what you want to be and where you want to go and what you want to see. Have those dreams. It's awesome. But remember with me that it's easy to get into a give a mouse a cookie situation where you go, okay, to get this dream, I must achieve this little goal. And to achieve that little goal, I must achieve this little goal. And it becomes a Zeno's arrow level of infinite regressions of things you've got to do before you can even do that big thing. I've got to micromanage it before I can get that big job. I've got to get a suit. And before I get the suit, I've got to lose weight. And in order to lose weight, I've got to go buy a whole bunch of stuff. And all of a sudden, there's all of these intermediate goals that keep the thing from happening. And yeah, it's a great serotonin hit to have a whole lot of items on your to-do list that you check off. But none of them mean anything. And I don't know about you, but I've had lots of opportunities in my life to mess up the little goal 
and then forget the whole thing. You know what I'm talking about. I want you to know that there's no life hacks for this. I want you to know that there's no way to, to get there by doing a whole lot of little things. I want you to dream bigger. That's the trick to all of this because let me put all this a different way. You've got these big dreams, these big aspirations in your heart, in your mind, in your life. Think about this. Who put those dreams there if you haven't even been there yet? God is the author of the dreams in your heart. What if you trust the chef? What if you get out of the way of something and let those dreams be as big as they can be? Yeah, there's going to be a next right thing to do, but that's why Jesus says, give us our daily bread, because right now there's enough. Right now in this moment, you have what it takes to start your journey, to take the next step. I don't know all of the details and all of the road stops where all the cracker barrels are on the highway between you and where you're supposed to be, but it's going to be okay because God's here now. God's going to be there then. My job is just to keep moving. Maybe it's not about having a whole bunch of goals. Maybe it's about having one big dream because I got to tell you, you are God's dream come true. That's how this works. What if you just start living like it and stop worrying about the intermediate things? It reminds me of the words of one of my great spiritual teachers, Mitchell Hedberg. He says, I'm sick of following my dreams. I'm going to ask them where they're going and I'll hook up with them later. There's something beautiful about that. You are called upon to dream big. You are called upon to trust God. You are called upon to forgive to make room in your heart for one presence, one power, no absence, no reservations, and nothing held back. No matter how you got here, everything that got you here came from God. Trust it, and everything else will be okay. Let it all go, because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do based on what you've heard can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.